Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of iCast Fireball, an actual play 5e D&D adventure where we go through the campaign Tyranny of Dragons. My name is Thomas, your DM for this adventure and around the table we have... Malamara, Lance Thalen, and Fleeple. Last we left the Jank Squad, they were gagged! Well, most of them. They had been journeying through the Sea of Moving Ice, and after uh, discovering a potion of water breathing, the whole party really contributing to finding this iceberg, they came across the Ice Hunters. And although I say that menacingly, the captain of the Frost Skimmer assured the Jank Squad that the Ice Hunters have never really messed with the Frost Skimmer before, and they've had no issues with them, even going as far as saluting them. The reason why this is a complication, however, is because they are all orcs, every single one of them, and Mal does not react too kindly to orcs, pure blood, so to speak. So, uh... As they were bedding down the night after they had come across the Ice Hunters, not really to the player's surprise, the orcs jumped on the Jinx squad, captured them, and are ferreting the Frost Skimmer. Where? We'll have to find out on this week's episode of I Cast Fireball. So, Jinx squad, you are tied up for the time being. You are not being berated, you're not being uh, bustled about, but you are being forced to sit on the deck of the Frost Skimmer as the orcs bark orders. Now, Lance, you're the only one here who can understand these orders, but they are basic orders to get the oars out to ensure the, um, the crew is being watched after. But what you do find interesting is they don't call you prisoners. They do refer to you as the crew, which is an important distinction for you because the hostility that you know of orcs, orcs from Neverwinter at least, or the surrounding areas, would absolutely consider you captured prisoners, uh, hostages, what, meals, whatever it may be. But these orcs, the ice hunters, do seem to treat each of you with a sense of respect, although they have captured you. By the way, when we did get a long rest, I have now changed my proficiency to persuasion. <laughs> you don't you, say. So you like, you woke up and as soon as you like see them, you're like, persuasion, ah, persuasion. <laughs> persuasion. <laughs> you got to say it five seconds five after seconds. you, after you wake up. <laughs> and that was instantaneously as you were waking up. Going around the table, how is the Jink Squad feeling right now? I mean, no, it's probably pretty obvious for some of us, but like, what are, what are going through people's minds? So what I'm wondering is, was there any indication of the other members of the crew being brought along with us? Yes, they are. All of them. Some are being brought down below. Some are on the crew with you, but nobody's being left behind, it seems. Hmm. Lance Thalen is just thinking, especially that he understands Orcish, and he catches, as you pointed out, that they are not referring to us as as kind of a hostile entity, even though we're almost being treated as such. He's thinking of that being like, okay, there's a chance. And then the other part of his mind is thinking, like, how can I stop Malamara from not screwing this up? <laughs> because, <laughs> because obviously Malamara doesn't speak orc. And even if she heard what they're saying, she would still be like, and Lance thinks, Malamar's thinking, 
the soonest chance I get, it's rage time. And he's like, I need to stop this before it gets bad. I need to stop this. And to contrast that, his calm right next to him is Mal acting like a rabid animal. (laughs) She has a gag and a bag over her head and she is squirming as hard as she can trying to break the bands that are the ropes that are holding them and she actually enters a rage for so for the next 60 seconds uses her bare ability trying to break at the thing and she's wiggling around and she's shouting but she can't hear because she's gagged and she's just thrashing as hard as she can while Lance and Fleepler are just sitting there calmly trying to listen while that happens, there are orcs that grab you as you uh, almost do break out. And in orcish, they speak to you, which you don't know. So Lance, you hear them speak and one of them in orcish goes, Come down, sister. We're not hurting you. Just trust us for for a time. <laughs> and the other one goes, I don't think she liked what you said. <laughs> And uh, as the journey continues on, you have these bags and gags over your heads and your mouths, but only about an hour passes when the main orc woman, she calls out and all of a sudden orcish, she she calls out and asks for Malamara's head to be, uh, (laughs) her head cover, the bag to be removed. (laughs) (laughs) No. Trust us. <laughs> Got off her head. An, an important little change there. <laughs> yeah. Grammar's important, folks. Let's eat grandpa. Let's eat grandpa. <laughs> Let's eat grandpa. And Mal, as the bag is taken from your head, the sight in front of you is something to behold. You see a gigantic, massive ice glacier. Exactly as described, but even more impressive and more just defying nature as this seems to be like an exact mesa built almost out of the ocean you know it's just a glacier but it is a pillar with a mesa on top the leader comes over to you and in common she speaks to you we welcome you to oyavaganton sister and it's not uh your gag has been removed as well, Mal, as this sight is imposing. The ship starts uh, floating into the shadow of this massive iceberg. It is just imposing and is just a sight to behold. But you are the only one whose bag has been taken off, Malamara. This is the orc with the staff, right? Yes, this is this orc with the staff that you locked eyes with the day before. As she finishes talking to me in common, Mal spits at the floor of the ship at her feet. The woman, she just sort of like sniffs. <laughs> you have no love for us, which is to be understood. We have captured you. But believe me when I say, we would not have captured you if it was our choice. Well, whose choice was it then? Pulls against the ropes again. All in time. We will tell you. And she slowly walks off as the ship is getting close to a natural dock. Um, There are these long canoes that are tied to this dock-like structure built out of ice. 
um, at the base of the iceberg, and the frost skimmer is brought right up to the dock itself. It's uh, the orcs are in motion to tie off the frost skimmer, and there's orders, and there's even more orcs coming out of um, the glacier, uh, which she called Oyavigaton. And as the frost skimmer gets tied off and um, secured to the iceberg, one of the orcs in common speaks to you, Mal, goes, You may walk on your own if you wish, or we could drag you. Mal stands up and growls at him and kind of lunges toward him in a threatening posture and then walks ahead. The other one sort of actually chuckles at this and goes, uh, just doesn't say anything but chuckles because you only come up to maybe their, uh, the bottom of their shoulders uh, for most of these orcs. Uh, and so you like aggressively running towards one of them is, uh, it's, a, it's a little spirited and that's uh, how the other orc took it. That comment could be towards Fleeple and Lance as well, although he was looking at Mal. You are free to stand up as much as your binds would let you, uh, or you could be dragged. And have our sacks been removed? Yeah. <laughs> at this point, no, they have not. <laughs> so, so we can stand up and walk on our own to oblivion. <laughs> right off the frost. Right off the frost skimmer. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> I'm freezing. Uh, there are other orcs uh, helping some of the other crew and leading them. Some are just carrying people who are unconscious into uh, the iceberg. But uh, Fleeple and Lance, you are set up to stand up. Fleeple, you're actually carried. You're picked up and uh, th- thrown over somebody's shoulder. While Lance, you are brought up to a standing position. And uh, there uh, is an orc who grabs your arm and is leading you. And so you are able to... You have a lead, but it's a... Uh, not a soft lead. It's a little rough and gruff. These orcs are not so gentle. You don't say. <laughs> you are brought uh, after a short walk, not too long. You are brought to the top of the glacier. It's a surprisingly short walk, actually. Mal, as you are looking at the top, there is some switchbacks, which go right to the top uh, very quickly. There is, uh, looks like there is an elevator under construction. Uh, that might be to help expedite the travel to the top and bottom of the glacier, but it's currently not in use by the orcs. But you are able to take this site in as those, those first two orcs who were holding you down when you were raging are essentially guarding you and walking, escorting you to the top here. Do any of you wish to try to speak or mal speak uh, since you are ungagged? No. I mean, I'll try, but I'm just gagged. <laughs> or. I'm going to save my shenanigans for the right moment. (laughs) (laughs) Ned, I was wondering if you were going to shenanigans. Yeah, I mean, like, I could just turn into a spider and crawl out of this sack, but, like, I don't want to do that now because they're taking us to a place where we can get information, you know? (laughs) The orc who is uh, grabbing you just goes, What? To you, Lance. What? Oh, right. Rips off the bag and the uh, gag as well, as you are in the middle of the dis- uh, ascent to the top. What? What? What are you saying? Ah, 
Uh, she doesn't speak orcish. Who? The orc with me. He's saying this in orcish. Oh, okay. So if it's an orcish, he goes, Ah, yes, the little one with you. <laughs> yeah, I think they figured it out. I don't think they are speaking Orcish to her anymore. It's quite a shame, really. I agree. I agree. You speak Orcish, though. Long, long story. Mm. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the Orc just turns uh, and goes silent again as you continue your ascent to the top. At the top, Mal and Lance, I should say, there is a village on the top of this iceberg. And it's in a sheltered spot near the center of the iceberg. And uh, although the, t- the iceberg from below looks like it is a perfect mesa on top, a mesa being just a flat space, right? It's not exactly completely flat. There are some parts that divot into the ground. Not quite as deep as a caldera, mind you. It's an uneven bit, but, but from the top of the mesa to the bottom of the mesa, there probably isn't anything... Uh, deeper than like 30 feet a 30 feet divot or a a formation that goes down so it's all realistically it's all relatively flat in one of the sheltered locations though their village sits squarely to try to hide itself from a lot of the elements of the north in the village there are 20 structures in here and quite a bit of orcs here for the ice hunters that um make up this tiny little village and mal this is kind of impressive all things considered which just makes i mean you could take that how how you will but your village had probably about this size maybe a little bit more maybe a little bit less depending on who is working on what and how much these structures could be collapsed for travel but these orcs seem to be a little industrious and uh you see orcs doing all sorts of things there are um some that are setting up an additional structure with uh wood which seems a little unusual that they have been able to get wood up here there are a lot of people who are uh working on uh skinning for leathers and uh tanning hides um for blankets but as you go through the village here most of the village is staring at you not just you mal but the entire entourage of the frost skimmer and lance you can see that as well you are able to lance get close to mal and fleeple is not too far off being carried Um, so you're probably within a good eight feet of each other as you are being shuffled along no longer needing your leads um, mal and lance but you seem to be going to a main structure which seems to be cut out of the ice itself. To be fair, I did warn you. (laughs) He'll say to Malamara. (laughs) She shoots him the dirtiest look over her shoulder. Like, now's not the time, Lance. Now's not Not, the time to be joking. (laughs) Not not the appropriate space, I understand. Going into this structure, it's big. Um, It's big from the outside. And as you go in, um, Fleeple, the orc who is has been carrying you over his shoulder, actually sets you down and takes off your hood and your gag as well. The captain has also had his gag and hood taken off as well. But as you walk into the structure, the cold is left behind you as there is a roaring fire in here. There are chairs, tables, tables, 
There is uh, pelts on the floor. There are pelts on the walls. And there are pillars. Some pillars are uh, made of ice. Some are made of wood. And at the end of the hall, which is a big hall, it's about, I'd say, 120 feet long. There is a chair that the woman orc with the staff is now sitting in. And you're starting to realize or have confirmed some of your suspicions about this woman being not just one of the normal orcs, being maybe the leader, being some sort of matriarch. But as the entire crew is brought into this hall, they are put at a table off to the corner, um, most of them still tied up, most of them with the bags over their heads still. But you three and the captain are brought towards the matriarch at the end of the hall. Is there anything that you guys would like to whisper, <laughs> quickly discuss before you are immediately in front of this matriarch? How much quickly do we have? You have about uh, 110 feet as you are slowly making your way uh, up to her. I mean, you have somebody behind you, like, guiding you, but they're not in any hurry. Okay, 112 feet is approximately 24 seconds in D&D time. So I'm just going to, like, kind of whisper to my friends. Oh, no, wait, like, we have guards here who can hear us speaking, can't, don't we? They're, they're not, they're, like, with like six feet away from you. So we're you walking can whisper to each now. other. Mm-hmm. Yes, you are walking independently. The captain is there. So you're like, you probably could communicate a few things without any of the orcs overhearing, but that's it. Okay. What I'm going to say is we were supposed to get to the iceberg. We made it to the iceberg. It's my opinion that these orcs are working for the dragon and they don't like it. Lance will very quickly just in response. That's a good hypothesis. As much as it may seem, we aren't enemies. They're treating us more like forced guests. Mal will just continue to stare straight ahead at the matriarch as we're approaching her as she's listening to Fleeple and Lance talk. Lance will say one more. Could I fit one more thing in or are we? That was basically it. Yeah, go for it. One more, like one more. Yeah, thing. one more thing is strictly to Malamara. Lance will like look directly at Malamara as they're walking and be like, Malamara? I need you to know anger is a tool, not a personality. Use it only when necessary. And she keeps that straightforward look. And it's at this time that you are brought before the matriarch and you are asked to stop as she slams her staff onto the wooden floor here. And um, silence is in the room. There are a good three dozen orcs in this room. Not only to watch over the prisoners, but to see what the matriarch has to say. My name is Ghoul, and I lead our tribe here. I welcome you to the top of Oyavagatan. The captain will pipe up. Ghoul, I thank you for your welcome, but this is highly irregular. We, uh, we have done nothing. We have had no interaction in the past. We have left you be, and you have left us be. What? What is the meaning of this? Why? Why? Why have you captured and brought us here? As his 
frostbitten half of his face is fully exposed, um, his hood not able to being drawn, and his scarf being pulled down so he can speak freely. Uh, all of you are still tied, like your arms are still tied in front of you, and you don't have your weapons. Same thing with the captain as well. He is uh, not gagged, but still bound. I apologize for your capture, but we had no choice, and it was necessary for us to bring you here. Um, She looks down at the ground, a little mournful, um, but more resigned than anything. We were under orders to capture your frost skimmer and bring it back to take any supplies you have and to bring it with uh, to capture them. I understand we have not had any dealings in the past, but I'm afraid that pattern of behavior, we've had to break that pattern. Ghoul is a little bit of a slow talker. She's very methodical and very deliberate with what she says as she looks at each one of you. An interesting companions you bring with you unto the frost skimmer, Captain. As she looks at Fleeple then slowly turns to Lance, giving each of you a very long and deliberate look and taking you in and then landing on Mal. And Mal just keeps staring at you. Even stranger yet to have a sister of ours on board. We don't see many of our kind outside of our own tribes. Tell me, young one, where do you hail from? As she's addressing you directly, Malmara. I am not of your kind. Hmm. Your words may say that, but your heritage would say different. Your skin, your very teeth betray your origin, little one. Mal stands up a little taller, almost with pride, and says, I was from the Kifki tribe, a tribe of humans. I am not an orc. I am human. Ghoul sits up and she, um, as she sits up, she goes, Kifki, it has been a little time since I have heard of that tribe. I am sorry for what happened to you and your people. She raises her hand to her left, her right hand to her left shoulder. And as she does, she uh, traces along her chest And as she gets to her sternum, she, like, grips her hand in a fist before extending that fist slowly towards you, Mal. Sort of with a closed fist facing towards you. Seems to be some sort of a sign that she's giving you. It was horrific what happened that day. I marvel you were able to escape that tragedy. We have not met any others who were able to. You mean none of the humans? Obviously the orcs were able to get away. As you say that, she uh, stares at you for a while. She doesn't really answer you. She doesn't respond to your comment, but she turns back to the captain. Captain, you are required to stay here for a time. How long, I am not sure. Your crew can decide if they wish to be guests or prisoners. I would prefer you to be guests, 
but that is entirely up to you and your people. I will let you converse with them, and if some agree, they will be welcome to roam a humble village. But you will not be allowed to leave for the time being. The captain grits his teeth. He uh, sort of tenses up at that and goes, I will speak to my crew. You make a generous offer. And that he, the captain actually turns around and starts walking to his crew where you see orcs are taking off the bags and the gags on some of the crew. Any crew that speaks up and starts yelling is immediately gagged and bagged again. Those that try to escape, unfortunately, are pinned and are put in a choker hold sleep until they go to sleep, go to sleep, and <laughs> fall, fall unconscious, which is not hard for a whole tribe of orcs to manage there. The three of you are left uh, in front, and Ghoul, she looks to the two orcs behind you and goes, <sighs> Sebub, Bogram, leave me and the little one for a time. Take these two others to the crew. And uh, the orcs go to grab you, you two, just to escort you. I'll step forward for a second. Lance will step forward and just say, Who forced your hand? Ghoul will glance at you and go, All in good time. Right now I wish to speak with my sister. As she looks at Mal. Lance will just then kind of, obviously knowing he's not going to get answers right now, will just say one more time in orcish, Allies, not enemies. And it'll kind of then be kind of probably taken back from with the orcs. Yeah, as you speak in orc, she actually turns she turns her head to face you, and she just watches you as you are somewhat gently pulled back to walk and watches as you go. Uh, Fleeple, watching, uh, just watching the exchange and going with Lance. Yep, it's not the right time for shenanigans yet. <laughs> Got it, <laughs> Mal. You are left with Ghoul, and she stands up <clears throat> and comes to her full height. She's probably 11 feet tall, and as she walks up to you slowly, she uses her stick, somewhat as a walking stick, but mainly to guide her way. And as she walks up to you, she stands just two feet from you, staring down at you. And as she looks into your eyes, what do you mean for what you said, your comment? Mal tries to stand at her full height and look directly into the matron's eyes and face, determined not to be intimidated by her, even though she is quite intimidating. Which comment? None of the humans escaped. You said... The orcs that raided the village. The orcs that came in and killed and plundered and burnt the Kifki to the ground, they escaped. She slowly nods her head as she stares at your eyes. And with her left hand, she pulls out a pocket knife. Or rather, to her, it's a pocket knife. But it is a long hunting knife. And she steps closer to you and cuts your bonds. I would ask you to walk with me. As she turns and starts walking to the back behind the chair, away from you. Not seeing any other options. <laughs> and 
knowing she's in an orc compound of which she could never hope to escape or fight her way through, she follows the matron. Ghoul is not slow, but deliberate in her walks. And in fact, you're noticing that there's a lot of things that Ghoul is doing that is very deliberate. Um, how she spoke to each of you, how she spoke to the captain, even cutting of your bonds. It was very precise. And so her walking is very deliberate as she goes out of sight of the rest of the room. And she goes into a smaller room built further into the iceberg. This room is much smaller. It seems to be a dwelling and it has a bed uh, or at least um, blankets that make it seem like there's some sort of bed. And it seems long enough for ghouls stature and height to be an area for her to lay and rest there's also a desk but there are just for lack of a better word maybe you might call them artifacts there are beautifully beautifully carved whalebone in here describing um with symbols that you don't recognize um, for anybody who would know orc knowledge or have orc knowledge, you might recognize them as uh, symbols to grumpsh, symbols of deities. There is one symbol, however, that is over multiple bits of uh, whalebone that seem to be carved into it. And that, that symbol, if I, if I were to describe it, it's just the outline or crude outline of a shield. And it's, it's not curved. It's, it's very harsh lines so you have the two lines uh being the points of the shield to the bottom and then at the top instead of one line connecting it into a triangle you have two shorter lines um with that intersected at the top and then at the top there are three lines coming out of that one up one to the top left and one to the top right um almost like daggers or swords coming out of the shield exploding from the top of it i well i say i but we are of the ice shield clan we roamed the spine of the world for generations and we have had much success in our dealings of the spine of the world generations ago and it's at this point she gets to the desk and she reaches for something. Uh, it's wrapped up. My progenitors discovered it was much harder to kill the other roaming clans of the north than to trade an ally with them. <coughs> and as she unwraps um, what is in her hand, there is a totem that is revealed. And it's a totem of a bear. It's a, not crude, it is very finely carved. We changed our strategy. We changed how we worked. And we respected the other clan's lands as they saw fit. And they respected us. <coughs> <coughs> this totem came from the Kievki clan many years ago. <clears throat> Just as these other artifacts 
items came from other roaming barbarian clans. We traded to make a statement so that we would know in times of distress or even in times of prosper, <clears throat> we could call on each other and be at peace. You say the orcs decimated the Kievki clan, but I tell you, we did not bring the Kefki clan to extinction. And that last sentence she says, well, go ahead and roll an insight check, actually. Great. That's a 14. Mel, you can decide how much you trust an orc and their words. But in this one-on-one conversation, that last sentence of her saying they did not bring about the Kefki's clan extinction... There's bitterness in that statement, and it raises questions. Well, if it wasn't the ice shields, Mal says skeptically, because while she doesn't trust the orc, she does recognize that something about what she's saying intrigues her. If it wasn't the ice shields, then who who was it? Which clan was it? If you were so close to the Kievki and you were traitors, you must know who wiped them out. I tell you, it was no clan of the North. The day the Kievki clan were brought to extinction, the ice shields were only a few miles away. I had hunters sprinting back to me, telling me they had seen terrible things, telling me that they dare not go north, for the horrors that they saw were beyond that of anything that they had seen before. I wanted to know what they saw, so I stumbled to my tent, and with this totem. As she cradles the bear totem in her one hand, the totem is small in her hand as she slowly grips it. I used the magic of Grumsh to see the village of Kievki. She's essentially saying she scried. I saw monsters and destruction. There were unspeakable horrors that were running through the camp. Slaughtering, pouncing, grabbing, attacking anyone in sight. I saw creatures from the deep they had to have been from the deep for darkness enveloped them despite it being full day and the sun shining bright and yet at the center of it all i saw one (sighs) who seemed to be orchestrating it all they stood tall exposed to the elements Taller than any orc I have ever seen, with tusks longer than any that I have ever come across. One whose wings unfurled into the sky, wings that were unnatural beyond this realm, and horns that came and sprouted from his head massive claws as she raises up her own 
And as she sets the totem down, she uses both her hands to try to help envision the claws that she's describing. Ripping into tents, throwing barrels across, and grabbing the unfortunate man that dares stand up to him. In one hand, he would grip and throw, and while he laughed, he would run his sword that he held in his other through any that dare to come across his path. A sword that seemed to grow the more he laughed and the more he reveled in his violence. A sword that glinted in the light that seemed to shine with silver. Mal hearing the emotion in which this orc matriarch is speaking sends a chill through her. And with a shaking hand, she reaches behind her cloak and draws her sword and presents it for the matriarch in front of her. And trembling, she says, did it look like this? As you present it to her, the matriarch steps back a little. And as she slowly reaches out for the sword and unwraps it, and unwraps it to where it falls off and exposes the shining silver blade underneath. She mutters an orc, Gundaga Haven, that is the sword I saw that day. The day the ice shields abandoned the spine of the world. We turned and we fled for if a monster as red as blood was inhabiting the spine of the world, had made their camp there. It was time for us to leave and find a life where we had a chance to survive. Oh, child, where did you get this sword? Mal is too stunned to respond to that. She just stands there looking at the silver sword and knowing what the aftermath looked like is picturing the scene that she's thought about a hundred million times of people running away, her her friends and family screaming and her the, the village burning to the ground and the the villains that she's always cast in that story, the orcs that she's always imagined, suddenly twist and distort, and they're no longer orcs. And she doesn't know how to reconcile the story that she's always told herself with the story that's right in front of her. And it's vivid as you have been playing this mu- this not seen over in your mind a hundred times, which I'll add, not only you. But even in your time with the Jank Squad, you've had to relive that time. You've had to relive those moments, being reinforced, being brought back. As you imagined an inspected wounds and you imagine an orc just scraping across somebody with a deadly blow, that image, almost like a computer glitch, is now being forced to 
imagine that same reimagining, but with Air 2 scraping through that individual as the swords, uh, as there are puncture wounds that you imagine the orcs running through, you have to imagine it's the creatures of the deep under Air 2's command puncturing those that you loved. And the entire scene in your mind is being played in this moment, but it's like every scene is trying to be playing at once as these memories flood in, as you are trying to reconcile, as these glitches keep happening over and over, one right after another, instantaneously occurring before you can even uh, pull away. I need you to make me a wisdom saving throw, Malamara. Yeah, I bet. That's an 18. 18. As you have these memories and these thoughts, you're stunned. You can't speak. And it's at this moment, Ghoul gingerly, not forcefully, but with purpose, she takes the sword out of your hand. And as she does in one motion, she steps over to you, setting her staff down and grabbing you by the shoulder with your hand firmly firm enough to where it shakes you uh, out and you, you look up at her as she stares down into your eyes and you you just look into her eyes as these memories unbidden came to you. You do suffer 14 points of psychic damage and Gull, she lowers her head to you. Child, where did you get this sword. Mal takes a ragged breath in, and all she can say is, he lied to me. He lied to me. Over and over again. Well, that's all you're able to repeat, Mal, because your 18 was not enough for you to fall unconscious and succumb to the traumatic events that crime across your mind, and you fall into Cool's arms as she catches you Mal, currently unconscious. That is where we're going to end this week's episode of I Cast Fireball. That's another heavy backstory. I'll admit it was really weird to hear them saying little one over and over again and it not be me. (laughs) 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 Well, Mal, just just a normal normal episode of iCast Fireball here. Sure uh, Sure, sure darn tootin'. Mm-hmm. Well, all kinds of backstory bombs. Reliving trauma. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to pick up on the next episode to see how all of this shakes out. And Fleeple and Lance's reaction to all of this. And my freaking charisma time. saves. What the heck are those? <laughs> oh, we'll get to those. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> next time on iCast Fireball. Ned, Lance... 
Mickey, thank you as always for joining us. <laughs> the listeners, thank Jacob. you. I'm Lance now. <laughs> Mickey, Lance, Ben. Sometimes you're Lance. Are we sometimes you're Lance. Sometimes you're Jacob. You know, you just can't, you, you're so similar. So, you yeah, just have to choose a name person. that is so obviously not a real person's name that he won't make you. <laughs> yeah, there you, there you go. There you go. He never there calls Ned Fleeple. Sleeple, Ned, Lance, Jacob, Mal, Mickey. Thank you all for joining us, of course, for this playing. But listeners, thank you for joining us every single week as um, we get to uh, explore the depths of Malamara's mind, her patron pact, possible trauma, and all of my characters at the table's backstory. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of good character development. Thank you so much for just being here joining us and if you like what you're hearing please leave us a five-star review it lets us know that you like you you like what we're doing and it gets us into other people's recommended feeds so they can come along this wacky adventure as well if you'd like to shoot us an email shoot us an email to icastfireball2020 at gmail.com where we can uh hear some speculation about what you think is going to happen next because boy howdy how's mal gonna react i don't know We'll have to find out. And um, it, we just would love to hear if, about your own home games and other things that you're liking. Um, not even just about D&D or other tabletop systems, Pathfinder, whatever it may be. Um, you can also shoot us a message on our social media pages at iCastFireball20, where we can interact on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, shouting out YouTube again this week. Go check it out. We've got our audio-only podcast on there, but become a subscriber and you will get be the first to see any visual content that we drop as well, whether it's going to be a Crunch Squad, um, whether it's going to be another podcast or another uh, adventure. Don't forget to subscribe so that you can be the first to find out. Speaking of shouting out, we're going to shout our sister podcast, as always, Improv Tabletop, where they do fantastic, amazing, wonderful things. I'm going to shout out their Patreon, actually. I'm part of their Patreon, and it is a delight. It is so fun. They have such a wonderful community over there, if you're not already a part of it. Um, Their Discord server is just a ton of fun they've got a spoiler section which is always a roll of laughs uh they've got a haiku section over there since they're doing avatar right now and uh ned there's some pretty clever haikus over there that that may or may not involve um well we'll just leave it at that uh let you discover as you go over to page as you go over to discord um but don't forget to leave them a five-star review on the way out lastly don't forget to like subscribe and share with your friends and fellow wacky adventurers but until next time i'm thomas your dm and around the table we have Malamara, Lance Thalen, and Filippo. Let's keep that fire going, everybody. And we'll see you all next time.